Yo, what is going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Third On Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Henry. This is a podcast where I keep you up to date and informed on all the latest news from all around the sports world. And in today's episode, I'm super duper excited because the Super Bowl is in the books. That's one reason I'm excited. And this is our first podcast episode on the new YouTube channel. And maybe you're tuning in uh, to this podcast on the new YouTube channel. If you are, thanks for stopping by. We have a great episode for today. We're going to get into a Super Bowl recap. Right after that, we're going to get into some NHL power rankings. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA. So we're going to be covering our three main sports. And this sadly might be the last time that we're covering the NFL for a little while, that is. Because the Super Bowl is in the books. The season is over, which I'm sad about. But we did have the Super Bowl last night. It wasn't the best Super Bowl, but it wasn't horrible. But yeah, we're just going to get started with our Super Bowl recap. So diving right into it, I just want to first thing first things first. Why did the Chiefs lose? Actually, I should probably start off. If you didn't know, the Chiefs lost. The, so I this, this might not surprise you, but it definitely surprised me. Going into this, I had Chiefs all the way. I thought their offense was just going to be way better than the Chiefs the entire time. But no, the Chiefs did lose. The Buccaneers won. First things first, what happened to the Chiefs? Why did they lose? This is the big question. And I think the big, big thing was the big penalties. There were so many penalties and a lot of big impact penalties as well. One second quarter drive started with a 56-yard punt that became a 29-yarder due to a penalty, followed by a Tyron Matthew interception, which, you guessed it, was called back because of a penalty, followed by a field goal attempt that became a first down and a touchdown to Rob Gronkowski because of yet another penalty. So it's just these big impact penalties affected the Chiefs, and it was killing them the entire game. Before halftime, the Buccaneers' touchdown drive was made up almost of of all pass interference penalties. Not all of them, but almost all. Every play was pass interference on what appeared to be uncatchable balls, which just makes you think, was that, like, did you really need to do that? And a couple of times they were on, like, the other side of the field, and it was not necessary. All And it all happened after a 2020 regular season in which the Buccaneers benefited from an all-time record 24 pass interference penalties. That is insane. The Chiefs, in total, racked up an incredible 95 yards in penalties on eight different uh, penalty occasions during the first half only. A Super Bowl record. But am I blaming it all on the penalties? Absolutely not. It was... There was many reasons why the Chiefs lost. Hill dropped it would have been touchdown. Kelsey dropped it for sure first down. Darrell Williams dropped a fourth down conversion. McCole Hardman had at least two passes sell right over his head because he wasn't really paying attention or just wasn't looking for them. But really though, the story why the Chiefs lost. It wasn't the penalties. It wasn't the miscommunications by on the offense. It was Mahomes just didn't have his usual time to either target his receivers downfield, like look and see if they're open, because he was in a panic to get out and get away from the guy running after him. He had at least two seconds before a guy was right in his face and he was running. Going into it, that was a big problem for this Chiefs offense. It was their banged up offensive line, and I think that was the reason why they did lose. I think if they had a completely healthy offensive line, 
I think the Chiefs would have won. I really do. With tackles, Eric Fisher and Michael Swartz out due to injuries. Mike Remmers and Andrew Willies were overworked and overwhelmed, and they were switched around on the offensive line, playing positions that they had never played before in their entire career. So going into it, it's just like, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> and that is probably the reason why the last one. I just got to get that out there. But moving on to when the game kind of slipped away from the Chiefs and when it became clear that, that the Bucks were going to win this one. And I think that happened like right at the end of the first half. It seemed like the Chiefs had kind of been working their way back into the games. It was still low scoring at that time. It was They were just trailing 14-3. to I mean, the Bucks were up, but they weren't up by too much. It seemed like they had control over it and they were going to come back. Um, but then... But then they were they were doing good there. They went 61 yards on 10 plays, and then they started stalling in the red zone, which is smart. You don't want to leave Tom Brady and the Bucks with too much time before the half because then it's like you don't want them to score before the half. So it was smart. They were stalling in the red zone. They were just kind of sitting there, but they didn't end up getting a touchdown out of, the, out of this stalling in the red zone. So they did get a field goal. It was a disappointing result. But it did kind of help them out because now it's fourteen. It's fourteen to six. You're about to go into halftime. You're gonna get the ball right after you come back out after halftime. So it's just like okay, we can score once we come back out. We're cut it in between a score and we'll be looking good. But then this is what I was afraid was gonna happen. They left them with just a little bit too much time because then Brady and the Bucks went to work and. The, the, Chiefs, the Chiefs called a dumb timeout with the Bucks facing a third and two with 44 seconds left in the first half. Why the heck did they call a timeout there? And only to see right after they called that timeout, Tampa Bay converted on the next play. Then Kansas City's defense defensive back committed two pass interference penalties on throws to Mike Evans. And it's like, seriously, come on, like... You can still hold them to a field goal, though. Like you can still go into half feeling feeling okay about yourself. And then, after the second call, they set the Bucks up with a first and goal from the one yard line, and that's when Brady found uh, Antonio Brown working against Tyron Matthews. He made like three mute three moves in the matter of two seconds. I don't. <laughs> no one can really guard that. I don't blame Ty- Tyron Matthews for that at all. And then third touchdown of the game for Brady. And that that sent him back 20, 21 to six, and the Bucks just really never looked back from that. And I feel like that's where it kind of started to fall apart for the Chiefs. And I mean, really, they didn't look back from that. They like even once the Chiefs came, got the ball back out of the half. It just it never they just never looked back. That's that's when the Bucks slid away, really. But yeah, that is going to do it for our Super Bowl recap, and it is time for our sponsorship. Today's episode is sponsored by Clark's. Clark's story begins almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. At the time, it was a groundbreaking, a combination of invention and craftsmanship that remains at the heart of what Clark's done. From the very beginning, Clark's has always thought differently. Brilliant ideas are what sets Clark's apart. We are teaming up Clark's and Paco to bring up the 30% off on select items, including on iconic Clark Desert Boot by going to pago.co slash Clark's. That's pago.co slash Clark's. And there will be a link to that down in the description. So get some boots. Anyway, continuing on to today's podcast, we're moving on to our NHL power rankings. So we're going to go over the top five teams in the NHL right now. Coming in at number five, this is going to be the Montreal Canadiens. 
and really they could be much much higher on this list considering that they lead the nhl with a plus 17 goal differential which is crazy and also signing josh anderson to a seven-year contract after an injury shortened season where he scored in 27 games this was a very very risky move and really Right now, it still is, but so far, he has 8 goals in 12 games, which is definitely not a bad start, and they're looking, I mean, he's kind of leading this team, and again, risky, it still is risky, but so far, it's going good, but I don't know if they can keep that up. But moving on to number 4, and that is going to be Toronto Maple Leafs. They're chilling at a 9-2-1 record. The Maple Leafs power play is operating at the league's best 38.5%, and they've scored on the man average in 11 of their 12 games this season. So basically what this means is they are scoring, and they are definitely looking at as the one of the best teams in the NHL for sure, and they just keep scoring and keep winning, and they are looking very, very good. I do not think Austin Matthews is going to score 50 goals in 56 games, but he's going to make it interesting but moving on to our next one and that is going to be the boston bruins coming in at third they're already winning games and then david passmer comes back and starts scoring a ton and ton of goals what in what a crazy season that this has turned out to be for the Bruins, and it's really just getting started. The Bruins are the NHL's best faceoff team, winning 56.7% of their draws, which is incredible when you think about it. Coming in at number two, this is going to be the Vegas Golden Knights. Mark Stone is on pace for nearly 90 points in 56 games. We have to realize how incredible it is. 90 points on 56 games but it's not just him either this whole team is looking incredible nick hag is turning into a stud for the high-powered golden knights the club owns 73.29 share of expected goals for five on five when he is on the ice this season which is the best mark among all defensemen so when you have him along with mark stone that's scoring this like, they could even be at number one right here. I mean, they are looking incredible, chilling at a 7-1-1 record. But moving on to number one, and that is going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning. If anybody has an argument that the Tampa Bay Lightning should not be number one on this list, I would very much like to hear that. Even when you take away one of the best offensive players in hockey, Nikar Kucherov, this team is still too much for everybody else. There is zero weakness on this roster. The The Bolts lead the NHL with a .949 save percentage at 5-on-5. Five five. .949. That is incredible. They are not letting any goals in. That is why they're sitting at a clean 7-1-1 record right now. They are looking incredible. But that's going to do it for our NHL power rankings. Those are my top five teams in the NHL right now. Where we'll do another power rankings probably next month or in like three weeks or so uh, of like an updated version. But as looking right now, Tampa Bay is probably going to be staying at number one for a little while. But anyway, we're going to move on to talking about some NBA. So I got a question sent in on Instagram. Someone messaged me, who do you think is better, the Los Angeles Lakers or the LA Clippers? 
I didn't realize how tough this question was going to be to answer when you look at both these teams. So I'm going to kind of break down what is happening with the Lakers and what is happening with the Clippers right now. Because they are 100% the top teams in the NBA right now. First things first, starting with the Lakers. This might sound strange, but Kyle Kuzma is playing the best basketball of his career right now. And hear me out on this. And yes, I know Kyle Kuzma is scoring a career low 10.1 points per game on 8.9 shots per game. But hear me out. He is posting a career high efficient goal percentage. With less of an offensive burden, Kyle Kuzma on the other side, on the defensive end, is like channeling his like basketball skill in his letting it all out on the defensive end, if that makes sense. Yes, he is not really doing great on the offensive end. I get that. But it is... Kyle Kuzma's impact beyond scoring is switching up to, like, just an all-around great defender, like a Ruby Goldberg or something. He's not scoring well, but he is helping the team win by playing better defense but not getting done on the off- offensive floor because he's already got players on the offensive floor like LeBron James and Anthony Davis and all of those great players on the offensive end. He, I think he figured that it was time. We got all these scores and they're winning, they're doing good, but we're not winning all of our games. How we could win a game is if we perform good on offense and on defense. That is how you win basketball games. He realizes that he doesn't have to go and score all these points on offense because there's already guys doing that on the team. He is going down and playing incredible defense and limiting his shots, passing it more, grabbing more rebounds, which is making it into a better defender. And he, on the defensive side, is going off. And this is why they keep winning games. So when it comes down to who's the better team right now, I'm not going to answer that right now, but the Lakers are winning because Kyle Kuzma is doing more by p- scoring less. <laughs> yes, I know. Yes, he he is. He is. He really is, though. So now we're going to go ahead and look at the Los Angeles Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers. Kawhi Leonard is accomplishing so much he is just you kind of forget how good he is but he is clearly not done getting better he's averaging his standard 26 points on elite scoring with tackling career highs and assists with with 5.1 and only 1.8 turnovers which is pretty impressive when you realize how much he's actually has the ball in his hands teammates aren't like aren't hitting more of the shots Leonard is passing off, if that makes sense. Nor is he really processing the ball or passing it more often. It's just that he, the, his teammates aren't really, it's, again, it's not that he isn't passing it. It's that his teammates aren't really hitting the shots. Yes, I know he is surrounded by a bunch of great players. I'm not saying that he's not. But Kawhi Leonard, he just he's one of those players that understands that his scoring will generate more scoring for his teammates, if that makes sense. So by leading them, I think they are winning more games. So when I was first talking about Kawhi Leonard just a couple of seconds ago, when I was saying that his game is like still improving, his playmaking progress has been is still going. And then alongside Paul George, who you know he's doing his thing, he's he's all over the place. He's an incredible player. 
And this is bold, but I really think that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are playing some of the best basketball of their careers. And yes, I know that's bold, but when you put that together, it is unstoppable. And the Clippers should be seriously con- like con- competing with the Lakers right now. And this, <laughs> like, when you like that clicks right there when with Kawhi Leonard playing the be- one of the best basketball in he's ever played, and Paul George like put that together. That's hard to stop right there. So to answer the final question, to, we we've talked about each team. To answer the final question, who is better right now? The Los Angeles Clippers or the Los Angeles Lakers? I I had have to go with the Clippers. I it's tough, but I'd have to go with the Clippers. It's just Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are playing so good right now that if if they can keep that up, they'll win a championship. It's the fact of whether they can keep that up or not, it's gonna de- to decide if they are the best team in or better than the Lakers. But anyway, that is the answer to the, my, the question, and that's going to do it for today's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. We're kept up to date and entertained. I'm Henry. Catch you in the next one. Peace.